Good morning. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And we will read a portion of Matthew 6 in just a few moments. As we resettle, uh, join me in uh, prayer. Lord, we thank you today for the gift of uh, worship. Thank you that we can come into uh, your presence, uh, not as individuals, uh, but as a family, as a community who belong to one another. And we can worship you and we can know that in our act of worshiping that you draw close to us in a in a uh, special and intensive kind of a way. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to recognize your presence here with us uh, in our midst and in this place. I pray that uh, however it was that we arrived today, that we would not be the same when we leave, that uh, our brush with you, our encounter with our holy God would register an impact in a way perhaps that is beyond what we can describe with words. So, Lord, we open ourselves to you today. We offer ourselves uh, before you in an act of ongoing worship as we listen to what your Spirit might want to say to us in your Word. Help us to be receptive. Help us to be attentive. Help us to be responsive to who you are and where you are calling us to be. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as Mary Beth mentioned, uh, we are standing at a uh, the end of one year and the beginning of a new year, and it is um, typical for us to spend some time reflecting on what happened in the year before and what will come in the year uh, ahead of us, some time to evaluate not only what we're doing, but some time to evaluate who we are. And so uh, sometimes we begin to uh, evaluate and ask ourselves questions about our lives. What's working and what isn't working? Uh, what is it that we would like more of and what is it that we would like less of? Uh, where am I? Uh, where would I like to be? And, uh, you know, there's a difference between just simply repeating one year 40 times and having 40 years worth of growth. 40 years worth of maturing, 40 years worth of becoming um, the person that God is calling us to be. And so my hope is, my uh, prayer is that the reflection and the evaluation that we enter into isn't uh, just about um, shame or guilt or, gee, it would be nice if, but that the reflection and the evaluation is really something that we engage in that in a way that's designed to help us to become people who are more and more whole, uh, more and more like Jesus, more and more um, uh, a reflection of his image in the world around us. And so to that end, I've been doing some reading, and I came across a quote, and uh, this is what it said. If we learn to pray rightly, we live fully. If we learn to pray rightly, we live fully. Uh, In other words, the idea behind that quote is that 
Uh, it is out of a prayer life. It is out of a prayerful life. Uh, out of a prayer life that flows this sort of living relationship that we have with God. And make no mistake about it, in the Bible, prayer is always a two-way communication. Uh, it is always us speaking to God and God speaking to us. Prayer is always this two-way communication that makes possible a real, genuine, living relationship with God in such a way that my life can increasingly become aligned, increasingly aligned with his purpose and his design for who I am supposed to be. If we learn to pray rightly, this ongoing, living communication with God, uh, we live fully, more and more aligned with God's design and purpose, God's intention for our lives. That's where the full life is found. And so this morning I want to read with you a familiar passage about prayer. And sometimes the very fact that something is so familiar, um, it's easy for us to miss what the invitation is in the text. So listen to this text uh, about prayer. Learning to pray rightly. Jesus is speaking. He says, And now about prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I assure you, that is all of the reward that they will ever get. But when you pray, (coughs) go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father secretly. Then your Father, who knows all secrets will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think that their prayers are answered only by repeating the words again and again. Don't be like that, because your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be hallowed. May it be honored. May it be made holy. May your will be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. Give us food for today. Give us our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debts, just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us, as we forgive our debtors. And don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We'll ask God to bless this reading, his holy and inspired word. Amen. So this is often called uh, the Lord's Prayer, and it appears both here in the Gospel of Matthew, and it also appears in the Gospel of Luke. The uh, version that we find in Luke is just a little bit uh, different, uh, but in both places it's clear that Jesus is teaching the same prayer. And here, Jesus is teaching about prayer in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus has this long, extended uh, series of teachings that he's engaged in, things that Jesus has decided are most important for his disciples to know. And he includes this teaching about prayer in that. And when Jesus is teaching about prayer, he introduces the Lord's Prayer with these two paragraphs. And both of these paragraphs, one in verse 5 and one in verse 7, begin with the term, when you pray. And then again, when you pray. 
In other words, Jesus isn't saying, if you pray, or should you choose to pray, or on the occasion that you find yourself praying, but Jesus is saying, when you pray. In other words, prayer is an expectation. Jesus has the expectation that his people will be engaged in a life of prayer. When you pray, it isn't an option. It isn't just for some followers of Jesus. It isn't, it isn't uh, uh, pick and choose, but this is a, a central expectation that Jesus has. When you pray, Jesus expects us to be people who pray. And then in Luke's version, uh, Jesus teaches about the Lord's Prayer at the request of his disciples. In other words, it's not what Jesus is saying, this is what I think you need to know when you pray. Uh, but it's the disciples who come to Jesus and say, teach us to pray. And so there's something about the disciples observing Jesus' own prayer life, observing Jesus' own intimacy with his Father in heaven, uh, recognizing prayer as a life source for Jesus. And they want in on that. And they say to Jesus, teach us to do what you're doing. And they're giving voice to a hunger that human spirits have always had, a hunger and a thirst to be in communion and in contact with God. We're designed to be in contact with God. And when we sever that contact, uh, we look for that connection in other ways. And so they come to Jesus and they say, however it is that we've been searching for contact with God is paling in comparison to what we see in you. So teach us to pray. Teach us how to do that. And so prayer is not only Jesus' expectation, but it's also the desire of our hearts. So prayer is both an expectation and a desire. And so Jesus is teaching how to pray. In verse 9, he begins his teaching by saying, pray like this. The sense of the original language there is uh, that he's telling us how to pray, not what to pray. It's a really important distinction. Jesus is teaching us how to pray, not what to pray. The Lord's Prayer is never, ever intended to be sort of an incantation that we repeat over and over again. It's not a formula that we say the magic words and God responds. Uh, Just before he says this, he specifically mentions uh, prayer isn't effective because you repeat the right words over and over again. He's not saying these are the magic words, say these words over and over and your prayer will be effective. He's not saying what to pray. He's saying how to pray. The manner in which we pray. And that does fit the previous two paragraphs in Jesus' teaching about prayer. He says prayer is not about looking good spiritually. Right? Uh, prayer is not about being able to report to somebody, I had my quiet time today. Uh, it isn't about feeling looking good in my own eyes. I don't feel guilty uh, if I have my quiet time. I don't feel guilty if I pray before a meal. It's not about looking good spiritually. And he says it's not about convincing God to do things. Prayer is not about how do I uh, try to get God to bend to my will and my desire. Instead, he says, uh, what I want to teach you about prayer it's, it's, it's all about your attitude and your expectations. What I want to teach you is all about your attitude and your expectations, far more than the words that you will say when you pray. So take a few mem- minutes and, and think about uh, the way that Jesus teaches us not to say our prayers, but to be people of prayer. First of all, I want to recognize with you that prayer 
uh, is about a relationship. Prayer is about a relationship. How do we pray? We pray in relationship. Uh, we pray with an awareness of our relationship to God. Uh, when we pray, Jesus says, we, we begin by recognizing that God is our Father. And therefore, we enter prayer, we enter a conversation with our Father with both respect and intimacy. The relationship that Jesus would have had in mind here uh, with the term Father is a relationship of both respect and intimacy. And we see both of those things present here. As a father, Jesus said, God knows you and God cares for you. God knows you better than anybody else knows you. God knows you better than you know yourself. Uh, God, uh, Jesus says that God knows what you need before you even ask him. In other words, God knows what you need before you even know what you need. And God knows what you need and God knows what I need uh, even when we never know what we need. Uh, God, does, uh, uh, God is so closely and intimately aware of who we are that he knows everything that happens in our life. He knows everything that happens in public. He knows everything that happens in secret. And we have no secrets from God. We stand before God in complete and utter intimacy. We usually talk to a father, don't we? in a little bit different way than we talk to other people. Um, we usually talk to our fathers differently than we might talk to our boss or than we would talk to a judge or than we would talk to a police officer who's pulling us over to write us a traffic ticket. We talk to God differently than we talk to other authorities in our life. We talk to God with a sense of both respect and intimacy. Now, when we think about God as a father, I know that one of the challenges that we encounter is that uh, for many of us, we don't have a human father uh, who allows us to have a, a good um, connection between the idea of fatherhood and respect. We don't respect the human father that we were given. Uh, and so in that case, it often takes a lot more grace, it takes more time, it takes some more healing in order to see God as the perfect father uh, that your own father failed to be. But it's important to recognize here that Jesus is not saying God is like your father. Jesus is not saying God treats you the way your father treated you. He's not saying God is like your father. He's saying God is your father. God is your heavenly Father. God is the perfect Father. God is the Father of all fathers. He is the Father that uh, will love you and know you perfectly and completely. He is your heavenly Father. And so when we pray to him, we pray to him with both respect and intimacy. But the relationship continues, and Jesus says it isn't just a father that we have in heaven. It isn't just a relationship of respect and intimacy. But he takes it uh, a little bit further, and he says that uh, this father is also coming with a kingdom. In other words, this father that we have is also a king. In other words, he is powerful. This God, uh, uh, who is our father uh, and who has a king, therefore demands our confidence. 
Uh, when we talk to the king who is in heaven, uh, we're talking to um, the one true God, the one true king, the king of all kings, the almighty God. And he reigns over all of heaven and all of earth and all of time and all of eternity. Uh, God is your father, but he is, he is a king. And so that means you are connected. You are connected. You've got family in high places. I always think about those pictures of the Oval Office where uh, the president's family uh, is invited in. And you see the little uh, children maybe sitting underneath the, uh, the desk or climbing on the couches or uh, bouncing a ball on the presidential seal in the middle of the Oval Office. The president's kids can come in and play in the Oval Office. And, you know, your kids can't do that, right? My kids can't go in and uh, uh, shoot baskets in the Oval Office. Uh, if you're the president's child, uh, you have access to the room because of the relationship. And Jesus is saying, you have access to God. You have access to the throne of God because of the relationship. He is your father, but he is also a king. And so we come in a relationship of prayer. And it's a relationship that's characterized by respect, by intimacy, and also by confidence. And when we pray, we should express all of those things. And then secondly, prayer is uh, something that includes some requests. Uh, It's important for us to recognize that prayer is almost um, always in the Bible a response kind of speech. Uh, Our prayer life is always a response to the God who speaks to us first. Uh, We don't initiate the speech, God initiates. God always speaks first. And then he invites us to respond to him. And one of the ways that he invites us to respond to him is that he says, make your requests known to me. Tell me what you need. Tell me what you see. Tell me what you're struggling with. It's not an imposition on God, but it's his request to us. It's a response that he wants us to produce. And so in the Bible, we find that we're invited expressly to ask him for a number of things. We ask him for, here, our daily bread. We'll talk about that more in just a minute. We uh, ask him specifically for forgiveness. We can ask him for wisdom. We can ask him for the Holy Spirit. Uh, There are a whole number of things in the New Testament that we're invited to ask God for. And in James, we're told that uh, uh, when we look at our life and realize that we don't have those things, he says, in many cases, we don't have things because we haven't asked. And so he reinforces the idea that God wants us to ask him. God has designed prayer in a way that prayer is the vehicle, it's the, it's the route by which we receive God's blessings into our life. And so we engage God in prayer, and that becomes the means that God uses to bless his people. And so now in this prayer, he says, ask me for your daily bread. Uh, come to your father who is also a king, and ask him for your daily bread. And when, when he says daily bread, do you hear an echo there? There's a little echo of uh, the manna in the wilderness, isn't there? Uh, the idea of a daily bread, bread that comes every day, is like the manna that came every day in the wilderness. The bread that God provided was never provided in surplus. 
God never says, I'm going to give you so much and you're going to store it away and, and I'm going to teach you some refrigeration techniques and some investment, port- you know, you can invest it in certain ways and trade it and some of you will have more and some of you. He doesn't create any of that. He says, I'm going to give you bread every day. Uh, so there's never a surplus. But then on the other hand, there's, there's also never scarcity. Uh, there's never scarcity. Uh, uh, there's never uh, anybody who goes without. There's never anybody who doesn't have enough. And so the experience is constant dependency on God who provides. The invitation is not to find comfort in the things that God provides. The invitation is to find comfort in the God who provides. It's also important to notice here that when Jesus is talking about daily bread, he's talking to people uh, who are investing a lot more of their time in getting daily bread than we do. Uh, you know, you read daily bread, it's a big deal. Uh, run, big deal. Why do I have to ask God for that? I can run down to Meyer and get a, a loaf of Wonder Bread uh, in you know ten minutes. Asking God for daily bread, I can do that every day on my own, and I don't need to rely on God very much for that at all. This is not who Jesus is talking to. Uh, the, the people that that Jesus is talking to uh, are are thinking about daily bread very differently. When they hear daily bread, they're thinking about the, a long process of attaining seeds, and then planting crops, and then uh, threshing and harvesting grain, and grinding meal, and collecting firewood, and, and drawing water, and finally cooking uh, bread. This is a long process. And so daily bread represented, and in many parts of the world, if you've ever been uh, in, um, uh, if you've ever been in villages and done uh, short-term mission trips, you've seen this. In many parts of the world today, uh, the majority of time and energy and resource is used in just getting enough to eat for today. The majority. Uh, I uh, looked up some uh, calculations about that this past week, and in some uh, places in the world, uh, two thirds or more of the time of an individual's day is spent getting, attending to, daily bread. Jesus is saying, trust me with the thing that is the biggest part of your day. The thing that defines who you are more than anything else. Trust me with that. The attitude and the expectation that Jesus is inviting is that we will depend on God for the biggest things that define who we are the majority of our day, that we trust him with that, and that we trust him with the small details that make that up, all the things along the way. When we ask for daily bread, we're also saying that we are discerning the difference between wants and needs. Uh, It's a very challenging distinction to make. But a life of prayer, a life of praying that leads us to living holy is a life that will be able to increasingly distinguish between our wants and our needs. And we come cultivating a humble spirit that rests in God's care, recognizing that everything that we have and everything that we are uh, is from God's hands. And so every time we ask Right? Every time we request, every request is a reminder, it's a reinforcement of our dependence on God and of his care for us. It strengthens the relationship.
And so how do we pray? We pray in relationship to a father and to a king. And we pray with humble requests, uh, relying on God to care for us, to care for the biggest part of who we are, and to, pray, and to care for us in the smallest details of our lives. And then finally, uh, prayer is about repenting. Uh, there is a, a spirit of repentance that Jesus is showing us here in this prayer. Repenting is not just about feeling badly for something that you've done wrong. Uh, and it certainly isn't just feeling badly for getting caught doing something wrong. Although in the petition to uh, ask God's forgiveness, there's a sense of recognizing that wrong has been done and that uh, we need to seek God's repentance. Uh, repenting is more than that. Repenting is returning, returning once again to God's will. It is realigning my life and my will and my purpose again and again and again with God's. And so when we pray that God's name would be honored, that his will would be done, uh, when we pray for God's will to be done, uh, we have to include our own will in that prayer. And when we pray for God's will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven, we have to include our will as it's expressed here on earth as well. Uh, when we pray for God's name to be honored, we're praying that our will would be realigned with his will. Uh, and so that means that we trust God, not only with our basic physical needs, the daily bread, but also that we trust God with our spiritual needs. Uh, we trust God uh, for forgiveness. We trust God for protection from the evil one. We trust that God is not going to bring us someplace that will lead to our ruin. To pray in an attitude of repentance means that I recognize the places uh, where I've been more concerned about my own honor and my own reputation and how I look and what I have and how I will appear, that I recognize that. Uh, I'm more concerned with my honor than with God's honor and God's reputation. When I pray uh, in a spirit, in an attitude of repentance, it means that I'm always... Um, coming back to a place of sacrificing my own will again, my own desire, my own wisdom, my own plans. I just I keep sacrificing those over and over and over again and inviting God's will to be done, God's care to be experienced. And so instead of demanding my own way, demanding my own honor, my own glory, Instead, I can rest in God's care for me as a parent is cared for by a child. And I can be freed from the need to promote my own agenda and my own glory. And instead, I can allow my heartbeat and, and my passion to be whatever it is, Lord, that brings glory to you, whatever it is that honors you, whatever it is, Lord, that you want, whatever it is that brings joy to your heart, whatever it is, Lord, that makes you happy, that's what I want. I want the world to see the kind of God that I have. I want the world to see a father who cares for me in the biggest parts of my life in the smallest details. I want, I want the world to see your glory at work in me more than anything else. God's glory is, is more important than, than your comfort. It's more important than your safety. It's more important than your pleasure. An attitude, a, a life of prayer is a prayer is a life that's 
desperately desirous to see God's glory manifest in the world through me, through my will aligned with his. And so one expression of that is that I forgive others as I've been forgiven. One expression of that is that I forgive as I've been forgiven. And, and, and I don't forgive because it will make me look good or it will bring, bring me glory or, or reputation. I don't forgive because it feels good or because I want to. But I forgive because it's God's will. And in that process of forgiving others, God is glorified. His name is honored. The very thing that we pray for is done. So how do we pray? We pray in relationship. We pray in relationship. Uh, God is our Father and our King. We come to Him uh, with respect and intimacy. And we come to Him with great confidence. We come making requests. And the requests that we make uh, help us to recognize the distinction between our wants and our needs. And the requests that we make uh, help us to recognize and to reinforce the relationship where we are depending on God and God is caring for us. And we come with a spirit of repentance where we're laying down our will and the, and the constant reflexive need that we have to bring glory and honor to ourselves. And our heart and our spirit long for God's glory and honor to be seen and expressed. And when our prayers are shaped by those considerations, we'll find that our life becomes more and more whole. Would you pray with me, please? Lord God, we do uh, give you thanks for your goodness to us. We give you thanks for all of the ways that you have cared for us, that you have provided for us, uh, perhaps in ways that uh, we never would have expected, perhaps even in ways that um, we didn't know we needed. Lord, we thank you for an invitation to live a life Um, that isn't groping around in silence and in darkness, but that we can live our lives in an intimate, ongoing communication with you. That we can hear you speaking to us, leading us, guiding us, and that we can respond to you. And that we can strengthen that relationship that we have with you as we call on you in prayer. Or as we embark on a new year, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be people of prayer. That you would uh, help us to move beyond just simply saying our prayers in the right ways or at the right times or using the right words. And that you would help us to have hearts of prayer. Hearts that long to have intimacy with you, to depend on you, and to bring glory to your name. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.